0: Rob Lee here from The Truth in His Art, your source for conversations on community and culture. Uh, Here's a special message from my presenting sponsor, the Station North Arts District. Get ready for the Station North Arts District's first art walk of the year with a special spotlight on the Charles North neighborhood. Friday, July 29th from 5 to 8 p.m., experience a night of simultaneous exhibitions, performances, and special events at over 20 venues as we celebrate the district's 20th anniversary. Summer art walks continue on final Fridays, August 26th and September 30th. Station North Arts District is a program of the Central Baltimore, Partnership. For more information, visit StationNorth.org. Welcome to The Truth and It's Art. I'm your host, Rob Lee. And today, I have the privilege of speaking with super comedian, the very funny Ivan Martin. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Outstanding. What's going on, beautiful people, trees, and air? How are you? (laughs)
0: everybody is everybody and everything is doing well i think and uh thank you for hopping on and and taking the time i think this is going to be a lot of fun i think this is going to be um pretty funny maybe maybe a bad omen i think i'm going to bomb it but we'll see we'll see how it goes (laughs)
1: we'll we'll, we'll bomb it together as long as nobody comes as long as nobody hops in on our channel and slaps the both of us we're good (laughs)
0: <laughs> we're all set. We're all set. L- luckily, we're not on stage either. That's another thing. Um, <laughs> uh, so I want to start off by um, I like to allow the invite the the guests to really introduce themselves and how they would pre- present themselves, their background, and so please do that. But also adding this this uh, extra caveat. How did you get started in comedy?
1: All right, let's go then. Uh, you want it was like a two part. I'll, I'll I'll give you both of them. Uh, rapid fire. Cool. Uh, What's going on, beautiful people? I'm originally from Jacksonville, Florida, Duval County, born and raised. Um, I started comedy, I would say, immediately once I got into the Navy, but I didn't get on stage until right before I got out. Um, People were always like, at the end of the shifts, at the end of the night, you know, during wartime, things like that, people would be like, yo, tell that story you told me earlier. And then after that, it was kind of like a small form of comedy. Um, I got out early on the Good Conduct Education Award in 2006. And I started taking it seriously around that time. So I would actually say my start date is like between 2006, seven ish, you know what I'm saying, maybe eight. But um immediately after that, thankfully, being at Virginia Beach, I started uh, at the uh, Virginia Beach Funny Bone and also mm-hmm. Virginia Beach House of Comedy. And the Funny Bone was a franchise. So I was able to work all around the United States within like maybe the first couple of years. Uh, my comedy mentor, Quincy Carr, and my business mentor, Chris Bowens. Chris Bowens was in the Navy with me, one of the very few Black pilots out of Annapolis that was on the aircraft carrier with me and we had um, formed a uh, really good friendship and mentee mentor relationship he had a condo in baltimore and i felt like i had reached kind of like the glass ceiling of what i could accomplish in virginia beach and um i just wanted to take my skills uh you know to north beach basically (laughs) not to baltimore it all all worked (laughs) out and um uh, after a year here and checking out the scene i started art and comedy 2017, Art of Comedy, uh, well, well, Art of Comedy started before 2017, but in 2017, Art of Comedy rolled over into the Baltimore Comedy Festival. And the Baltimore Comedy Festival was based off the same thing that the Art of Comedy concept, the Art of Comedy Showcase was based off of, which was basically diversity. Um, Mm -hmm. I felt like when I first came to the city, it was very segregated for it to be such a melting pot of different cultures. You got Greek town, you got this area here. And then after that, the city is uh, over half the city populated with uh, black people. And I was just like, man, it's crazy how segregated I see events, spaces, how segregated I see, you know, performances, things of that sort. So so all the art comedy showcases were non-comedians and it would be a black comedian, white comedian, gay comedian, female comedian, you know, like a avatar. Like the goal was based off of diversity. And the end result was i wanted audiences to be diverse i want the same old white lady that crosses the street and clutches her purse when she sees the young black man walking across the street with a hoodie like i want them sitting beside each other laughing at the (laughs) same material so uh, 20 plus shows throughout the city and over 15 venues throughout the city every year um in 2019 we did a documentary called humility it's up on vimeo You you can just search it through google and Basically, um, that's that. 2019, um, Comedy Central came along with Kevin Hart's Heart of the City, was chosen for that. And previous to that, the year before, was picked up by Levity Live, and I travel internationally with Norwegian Cruise Lines. And also after the first year, got with my partners Rob Gordon and Eddie Lyles, and we created the D.C. Comedy Festival, which runs exactly the same exact way, uh, except for it's way more expensive, and those guys do a great job helping um like we we do a great job working with each other helping it run. Um Rob and Eddie being out of DC are definite. Like like couldn't couldn't accomplish anything without those guys are great. So um that and now you know we're in the sixth year of the Baltimore Comedy Festival and thankfully could have not gotten this far without all the assistance of Motorhouse and Station north art and uh Central Baltimore partnership for the type of resources and outlets that I've been pre- been able to get uh, opportunities to take advantage of, to be able to get funds to certain comedians, to be able to produce other shows, to be able to know how to get access to grants, things of that sort. So very thankful to be a part of the neighborhood. Very thankful. But yeah, all in a nutshell, Baltimore Comedy Festival, Ivan Martin. That's who I am, where I'm from. And in 2020, I got the only award ever given out for Best Comic by Baltimore Sun. And yeah, that's it, man. We're just keeping it going, being positive,
0: I like it. I like it. I like hearing that. I like hearing it. And I'm a big comedy fan. Um, so, you know, like I'm always listening to stand up comedy like that's I listen probably to more comedy than music. So it's it's a thing for me. Um, so I've always been interested in what that what the the day in the life of a comedian looks like, a comic looks like. So let's say it's a typical day. You know, you're not doing any of the day job oriented stuff because uh, I understand a lot of folks have those day jobs when they're balancing the creative stuff. But what does your typical day look like?
1: Oh, you mean like like being a full time
0: comedian? Yes. Oh,
1: man. Boring. It is <laughs> very boring. It is very boring. Um, thankfully, uh, I dabble in other art forms and it helps out with the creative process. But uh, comedians primarily talk a lot on stage about what happens to them. So the average life of a comedian going out of town to do a week at a comedy club is literally ooh, the same thing that's going through our head back when we were working a job or nine to five or whatever you were doing before you became a full-time um, performing act. Um, mm-hmm. Was that five, 10, 50 hour and a half, whatever you have to do later on that night, that's on your mind from the moment you wake up. Like, so like some, like for like, you hear that, it sounds so cliche but comments i was like we're doing we're just sitting in the hotel doing nothing that's literally (laughs) what we're doing like we're literally just wait like everything in that day is Mm -hmm. based upon like all i'm thinking about is these 150 people i gotta entertain two times tonight you know that's all i'm thinking about. so sometimes you know going out shopping writing stuff like that helps but the main thing for a comedian, when you see them doing nothing subconsciously, they may be writing, you know what I mean? They may be living life because observation is a huge part of the game as well. And sometimes, yeah. especially when you're especially when you're in a new city, if you just so happen to see a comic sitting on a bench, he's going to be talking about the people he saw walking past him later on that night. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. it's always an observation game, even when it's not so especially when you're new to another city, the first thing you want to do is like, hey, take me to the nearest mall, take me to the nearest black mall, take me to the nearest popular area, take me to the, take me to the you know, flea market, take me to the, the you know, all these little, all these little things that you can be like, or, or you say, hey, give me a layout of the land. Like what what's the east side about? West? I, how, are you all divided in quadrants? Are you all divided mm-hmm. in streets? Are you all divided in, you know what I mean? So those little things right there help out a lot when you're in a new city towards your first five or 10 minutes. If that's the type mm-hmm. of stuff you want to talk about, if not, and you got some stuff you want to get off your chest, mm-hmm. then you know you don't you don't care. You're just in your hotel room, literally looking at your bullet points, mm-hmm. looking at your notes, just waiting. Like I can't wait to rip them up later. Like literally. <laughs> I mean.
0: So, so tell me about this uh, the right that that process when it comes to to writing. Like I know some people go through. And it's like, look, I'm going to do some open mics. I'm going to do some, some work in different places. I'm going to work on some material and kind of tinker and modify as I go along based on, I guess, the response. So, so tell me about that when it comes to some of the stuff that, that you may do. Is that similar to your process? What does that look uh, like for you when you're working on material?
1: Oh, man, I, I, uh, I cheat. I do not like to perform in front of my friends. I'm supposed to. <laughs> But I hate it. I hate going to open mics and performing in front of my friends. I love I love to find a nice open mic or a good showcase out of town where nobody knows me. And the comics, there, are like, man, this dude's mean. He don't even talk to me. Like, I just want to, like, just be a nobody somewhere and have like a blank canvas and then just go there, try my stuff out, perfect it and then bring it back to the city. But the way I'm supposed to be doing it is I'm supposed to be vulnerable. And I do like to get up in front of my friends. I do like to get up at a lot of mics in the city, but uh I don't. I do not. I do not. I do not. So every time I get a chance to perform uh any new material, something I'm working on outside of the city, yeah, I try to do that. I try to make myself look impervious to mistakes, which is not true at all. But you know what I'm saying? That's my that's my wrestler move. He's like, oh man, he's always funny. It's like you just don't see the times that I'm not. That's all. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, I, and I've heard that from a few of my friends who have done open mics, who've done. Um, they'll go out of town, they go to a different county over, or who are doing improv, and they'll make the point of not inviting any of my group of people. It's like, oh yeah, I did some, you know, I did some comedy last weekend. I was like, excuse me, why didn't you invite me? Oh, because I know you're going to tear it apart. I was like, oh, oh, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so that's I recently. True. I recently had a conversation, um, with a, with a DJ about, um, failure. So it does bombing as a comedian really help you become a better comedian that, that exposure. Um, and if that is true, could you tell me about a time where you bombed really badly and maybe it was something that that helped you for that next show or that next series of shows?
1: Yeah. Uh, one time it was Don DC Curry and, um, Virginia House of Comedy. I was uh, opening up, and it was two shows. And the first show, I just did not do well, and I never forget. Like the guy, like the 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 manager Rob came to me and was like, "Man, you gotta get him, man." And I was like, "What in the hell does get him' mean? I'm trying, my joke. He <laughs> <laughs> was just like, "No, nah, you just gotta get him. You gotta just get him. You know, you just gotta just go out there." And you know, the audience was. Um, a way older demographic and the type <laughs> of material that uh dc talks about has a lot to do with um i'm sorry yeah don dc curry a lot not not yeah a lot of material that uh he had to talk about was based upon you know his sex life and being older plus 50 stuff like that mm-hmm. so i went out there the second show and i literally like just talked about a lot of stuff i don't know nothing about and you know <laughs> i killed did, did great killed but it didn't feel good to me so in a certain way like that bomb felt worse than a real like if i know that i'm doing if i know i'm performing for you and i'm not mm-hmm. doing material that i like 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 i'm trying i've crossed the threshold of being myself and you know we all make that mistake as a young comic to persuade the audience for me as a young black man like that is almost equivalent to cooning so mm-hmm. i in myself immediately afterwards was like you know i gotta find a place in this stand-up realm, that I feel comfortable standing in and falling in, and it mm-hmm. kind of helped me find my voice. And then the rest of the week, I mean, I just had no problems. Like it was almost like it was almost like that that age-old story of Bernie Mac coming out being like, "I ain't scared of you, man. You know what I mean? It really yeah. he was really trying to say, you know, you're going to get me, and mm-hmm. if you end up not liking it, then you don't like it. But I'm not going to let you persuade me out of my style, my joke, my way. And, you know, that, that was a lesson that really stands out upon mistakes being made on stage, like as far as bombs and things like that.
0: And I, th- I think that's really important too, especially like in, in this market, um, in, in this Baltimore. And, and I think, um, in addition to, I think it may be appealing to certain audiences. Like I look at Baltimore as the main place where I'm doing this podcast. And one of the things that sets me aside from other podcasts and my brand of podcasting is it comes off as authentic. And that's. They're intentional like i i don't try to have fake conversations and it is kind of that burning Mac energy a little bit too it's like i'm gonna say and i want to talk to like i'm curating people that i think have a story that i'm interested in like helping share and uh, i'm interested in learning more about and it's not like who's got clout who's doing this who's doing that and those things ring true and come through in the interviews they're baked in Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, that, that resonates with people and people want to endorse that and be evangelists for it. But if you come off as fake, it's like, oh no, like you may put it this way. You may see me at motor house. You may see me at different places in the city and say, oh, Rob is actually really here. Oh, he's a real dude. I know him. I see him personally. So I trust that if he's talking with this person or he's working with this person, there's some validity, there's some to put a pun and put a point on it there's some truth in what he's doing and i think the same exactly. thing applies for like comedians and what have you it's like you got to get on stage you got to be vulnerable you got to be you so that, that brings me to this next question that i have um it's like i've read that your approach to comedy has been described as realistically clever and honest so where does the real ivan and the uh, off the on stage ivan and the real ivan kind of differ and kind of separate because it has to be a, a a ten version of it and then like a more subdued person,
1: yeah, oh man, whenever money's involved
0: <laughs> that's
1: nice honestly um when they differ? yeah whenever money or a creative project, all oh, right, this is the best way this is the best way I can say it. um producer Ivan is totally different from performance ivan performance ivan. Is way more concerned about um, vibe, mood, uh, energy, attitude throughout the day, uh, methodology of execution, all those things. But on a very fun level, Mm -hmm. performance Ivan is concerned about all the, I mean, producer Ivan is concerned about all of those same things, but I have to obtain it from someone. Mm. so usually producer ivan is trying to get someone to be in a certain mindset or get someone to arrive somewhere on time or get someone to do something or get a venue to operate at a certain capacity or get an audience to be open-minded enough to certain material you know any things like that so it's like pr- production ivan is is focused on something totally different than than performance <laughs> ivan you know so That's the best way I can say it as far as personality versus comedy. uh, A a few years ago, back when I was working, I made it my intention to because I I saw myself and a bunch of friends of mine. I think this is a mistake that we all make as uh, young adults. But I saw myself and a few friends of mine contingent upon the space and locations we were. Mm-hmm. It would have a lot to do with uh, and then we never it never happened together. I would just see this in myself and see other people was doing it. It was almost like intention upon where I was. That was my conversation, not necessarily code switching, but if you want to say it in a way. yeah. So I got to a space where I wanted stage Ivan to be accepted everywhere. I wanted uh, a nine to five office analyst Ivan to be accepted everywhere. I wanted education instructor Ivan to be accepted everywhere. And I wanted mental spiritual Ivan to be accepted everywhere. So very easily. And we all do this. I mean, we've all done this subconsciously, but uh, subconsciously, but very easily you can get to that space. And I just made it my objective to not do that. So, there is no, like, the same Ivan you're going to get in a business meeting is the same exact Ivan you're going to get on stage. Did it take time to figure out boundaries?
0: Yes. Sure.
1: Have I made mistakes? Yes. But uh, thankfully, I made those mistakes as a very young man in very safe environments. So, you
0: yeah. know. No, I dig that. And there there's some validity there where, or some overlap there where, you know, it, because you're in a community, you're you're accessible. You're around, and you know people like, man, how yeah, man. You know, I saw that joke, man. I really get it, and, and you feel like it may be more of a connection, and it actually was there. It's like, nah, I'm a real dude. Like, what are you, what, what are we doing right now? And. Yeah you know, they take that kind of persona or if you look at like the catalog of interviews, I have almost 300 interviews sitting there mm-hmm. and you have like years of doing your, your work or what have you. And people may have gone to multiple shows and seeing all of your stuff. And it thinks it gives them a sense of who you might be um, as, as an individual. And sometimes being able to have that conversation of there there is a line. And if you're on stage and you're performing or if you're doing a a podcast or you're doing a live thing it's definitely a performance component to it that is baked into who you are as an individual but it's you're not always on you're not in that 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 space all the time exactly yeah you hit it T- tell me tell me about um gentleman comedy I, I read that that was a phrase attached to you is is that true and could you describe what it is and you know, and I, in, in I got a part B to it, but I just want to make sure that's true before I even go further into it.
1: Primarily, that is in reference to uh, my cruise ship performance. Okay. And cruise ship performance was primarily based upon uh, family. And it talks okay. a lot about being raised and having four older sisters. And um, I have, like, I have tons of nieces and um I spend a lot of time. I have a lot of uh, stories about spending time with my grandmother coming up and Mm -hmm. stories about me going to college with my mother. Like I remember being four years old in Edward Waters College, like in college with my mother. You know what I mean? So all of that raised me up to being a prideful young man. And I like to say I'm a gentleman. So all of that is based upon that. Now, you catch me in Baltimore on a Wednesday night. Then who knows what may come up?
0: (laughs) And that's what I was thinking. I was like, huh, this seems like it's less than blue comedy. So I, I would imagine that was a, a conscious decision when you're, 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 this is, this is the type of setup that I'm doing. It's knowing your audience, right? Yeah, 100%. Mm. Uh, so let see. How, how, speak a little bit more on the experience in, in, in working at Motor House within the Station North Arts District and perhaps how, being around artists, being in that environment, has maybe helped you with material. Maybe helped you with things that you observe. And you're like, you know what? That's a funny. That's a funny thing right there. Because it's it's a weird area. You know, like Station North has oh, all. Yeah. It has a lot of different people. Some that are Baltimore bred. Some that are just coming through and just hanging out. You're able to see a lot in a concentrated short period of time. So tell me how that's been in reference to maybe your career and how you've uh, grown as a uh, comedian.
1: Oh yeah, man. Um, being in Station North, you know, we're right there at the intersection bridge. What is which is basically a lot of people like to call the middle of the city. Like, once you cross that bridge, you're on either West Baltimore or you're on East Baltimore. You know what I'm saying? And it's like mm-hmm. actually we're the last, one of the last blocks before the North Avenue turns into East uh, North Avenue. So I really love being in that neighborhood where it's located at geographically and what it means to the city, the history in it all. Mm-hmm. Um, I can honestly say, um, North Avenue, man, like one of my favorite, not to go too deep, but like the joke that I'm my that it opened up with on Comedy Central happened on North Avenue. And it's like, you ever bought Crack by accident? Like, all <laughs> of these things, like I would have never had that experience if it wasn't on um, for, you know, North Avenue. And, um, I was just talking about that to somebody, like, I guess you know being as it is that's the charm of it all in the city um there's such a there's such a racial economic and you know unfortunately negative um outlook on the history of the city however the city has a lot of history when it comes down to America's birthright and the things that actually helped us get where we are as Americans so there's a huge to me like paradox oxymoron or like contradiction when it comes down to the history of the city but I love that aspect, in the sense that you know, Bolton Street, known being known as one of the most his one of the most nice historic white neighborhoods in the area. However, historically, was one of the first streets in the United States to implement segregation because yeah. a black lawyer moved over from Utah Street over to Bolton Street. You know, and like like people in other cities like Detroit and Mississippi and all that. Like the person that writ up that legis- legislation. They took that jargon and regurgitated it in other areas. Like the history in this area, like helps a lot towards me being able to tell stories and and get philosophical or get clever on stage. So being in Station North, living at like making mistakes that I've made in the city when I was like, hey, you know, I'm about to get serious about my comedy career. I'm gonna sell Mm -hmm. my car. I'm gonna quit my job. I'm gonna save some money, and I'm gonna move in the places most 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 transit for for like me to be able to travel. So I'm going to move in a neighborhood in the middle of the city, near a light rail and a subway. And not knowing nothing, like I literally moved to Penn North, like like literally. So it was just like, and like that's where I started my comedy career. Like I've done stand up shows outside of the Penn North subway station. Like, so like me and Abe, like North Avenue and what Station North means as far as creativity wise, like hand in hand, would not be able to tell the stories that I tell without it, you know?
0: Yeah, and thank you for sharing that. That's that's big, and I think I get a lot of energy from, you know, Station North kind of being in there. I do this podcast a lot from Big Improv, so right there in a space that's known for comedy, in a space that is in the middle of that creative, that arts hub, and been there for years at this point. And um, yeah, it's it's really big just to be around that creative energy and. You just see different things you're you you can encounter different people and it's mm-hmm. great for networking and and just kind of being around the, the, the people that are doing the good stuff or what have you you can always trade notes and you can learn something very very easily uh so before i got one last question before i get to these rapid fire questions for you and and this actually might be a pre-rapid fire question but um Describe the types of laughs that you're looking for. Are you looking for those chuckles, those chortles, those guffaws? What are the type of laughs that you're looking for? Because uh, you touched on it earlier. You can have the uh, the old lady that's holding the purse, you know, and uh, the hood dude that may be walking. And it's like they're, having the, they're sharing a laugh together at one of your shows. That's what you're trying to bring together. So what type of laughs are you looking for? What are the ones that really say, yeah, I feel alive on stage right now?
1: I really have, like two like three rhythms i have a, a rhythm that more so is kind of like a storytelling rhythm mm-hmm. and i have a rhythm that's more so like a conversational rhythm where you know you go out and uh, i'll be saying something and then immediately i go in the audience and somebody will either someone will give me a tone or a body language or something like that where they are signaling they agree with me they can relate i've been mm-hmm. to that store i've seen that person i did da- da- and immediately I get into a conversation and it's like, you've been there, you know, so, you know, when you walk around the corner, you know, stuff like that. And then the third would actually be, I'd say, kind of like a, like a, like a cuff, like off the cuff, kind of like a, yeah, like a off the cuff that comes with, that comes with giggles. So (laughs) off the cuff that comes with giggles would more so be like me just. One not not one-liners, but tight quick ones, like you have a ball cracked by accident, and it gets like a nice ha, 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 and it comes down. And then the conversational one will be it's almost like I'm talking over your laugh because I'm just I'm so anxious to take you somewhere. So yeah. it's like, and you know, you go to the store and you do it and it's like ha, ha ha ha. And then you walk on oh, no, again. We see the ha, ha ha. So it's like that's the like the like the ongoing giggle. And then you got pops, like pops are my favorite. Where I talk, I talk, I talk, I talk a quick second, and then after that my punchline, boom, boom, boom. So it's like da 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 boom. Like that's how I, I like
0: pops. <laughs> I like pops a lot. So yeah. That's a good one. You you want the big one. I, I like those. I like those as well. Yeah.
1: And 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 then after that, sometimes you know, certain people, certain comics really like to pay a lot of attention to their LPMs me uh i pay attention to it after the fact in the moment i'm just trying to have fun and lpms are laps per minute so
0: Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. that's good that's good all right so i got got some rapid fire questions for you got like five of them for you let's go uh i want to start off with this one uh who's on your mount rushmore comedians who are your four or, four or five, like, favorite comedians? In no particular order, just they're on there for you, either in terms of influential for you or in terms of, you know, it's like using refer- using wrestling as a reference, right? Hulk Hogan is terrible, but also you don't have wrestling reach where it's at without Hulk Hogan. So all of that's involved here.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, bet. mm mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely say Richard is has to be at the like we're all still trying to get we're also trying to do what he did and mm-hmm. um, Dick Gregory we're all still trying to think how he excuse me we're also trying to think how he thought mm-hmm. so Richard and Dick Gregory and then as far as influential I really when uh, like those two guys inspire me because you know you can't touch them you can't see them you can't you only have these archives to work with. Mm-hmm. But um this may sound stupid, but those guys inspire me, but I'm still currently being inspired by uh Dave Chappelle and Kevin Hart for sure. Mm-hmm. I would put Eddie in there, but um I think Eddie's gonna get I think Eddie's gonna get back in there and me taking him out is gonna make him know that he needs to get on stage more.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: we 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 want Eddie to get back out there so bad but yeah um yeah I would say them too and um definitely uh people that I still that I reach out and touch guys like uh Jordan Rock and um Tony Rock are huge uh friends to me in this game and help me go really far uh people like uh uh Kevin Hart. Like at one point in time, I had Kevin Hart's phone number in my phone. Like after save, after Soul Plane came out, I worked with him consistently for like a year, and mm-hmm. it was uh like my last year in the Navy, and I met him then. And then after that, uh, yeah, I worked with him again a couple of years after I got out of the Navy, and it was cool. And he was just a cool guy. And then after that, you know, ten years later, it was it was it was more than ten years later. But uh, no, it was like ten years later. I'm uh in L.A. filming the scene with him for the show. And it's weird because the whole entire... In this game, the mm-hmm. most important thing you can be is remembered. Yes. So um, I'm telling people... Because, you know, this was years ago. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and the level he was at, of course, I, I, could, I could reach out to him. You know what I mean? But since then, you know, he's blown up. You know what I'm saying? So I was telling people, like, on our way there, I'm telling my other cohorts. I'm like, yo... I know Kevin. I've met Kevin. And everybody's like, everybody's like, yeah, okay, whatever. I know Kevin, too, whatever. I'm like, no, no, seriously. No, seriously, y'all. I know him. And it was like, yeah, whatever. So he he walks on set. We're about to film um, the scene and the shots and everything. And he walks on. He's changing his shirt. And he looks over at me and Mm -hmm. he just just stops, walks over, daps me up, and whispers in my ear. He goes, "Long time no see, baby." I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> yeah. And then, like a <laughs> like a geek during like cutscenes, that wasn't enough for me. That wasn't enough for me <laughs> during cutscene because everybody still did not know that I knew Kevin. He whispered that to me. Everybody was like, "Why would Kevin go Whatever. Anyway, so next thing you know, like they're like cut, so they reposition and stuff or whatever. And I go, cat, seriously, bro. You remember me, man? <laughs> and then he goes, he goes, he was like, he looked at me with a sigh. He was like, yeah, yeah, man. And then he decided I know it was just that was crazy to me. So you know, that's great. That. And um when I met Dave Chappelle, kind of like the same thing, um, did a short spot just a couple minutes in front of him, brought him on stage. And it was when he was trying to do something with uh he was assisting Ben Jealous in his run. And mm-hmm. afterwards he comes upstairs, he walk, walks past me, asks me up, and he's like, Rumble young man
0: rumble. I, I was like, all right. So it's it's great to be able to have those moments. Absolutely. Um okay this one. How how long on average does it take for you to respond to a text? It depends upon if money's involved.
1: <laughs> if okay. money is not in if money is not involved, then I respond to you when I'm using a
0: bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, what was one of your nicknames when you were younger?
1: Oh, the only one, Pooh. People, I still get called that. Still to this day, Poo. Pooh. P o o h. My grandmother gave me that
0: name. Said, "Uh, I was always getting inish." <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh. Sorry. What are three things next to your bed?
1: Uh, A microphone, pink oil, moisturizer,
0: and water. And lastly, in your experience, what is the best name of a comedy club you performed at?
1: Oh, I want to say, let me think of another one before I say this one.
0: Yeah, it would have to be headliners. Headliners. That's a good one. That's a good name. Yeah. I like I like when people have like I remember was one I think in uh I that Hannibal Barris was talking about that was in maybe Kentucky. He's like, this is nothing you know, you're you're we have a better comedy club in our city called Snickers.
1: That's yeah. like <laughs> Snickers. <laughs> yeah, I heard it out. Uh i used to be it used to be, a, it used to be a, a spot before I even started comedy. I would drive past it on my way to the naval base. And it was like these small sketches outside of a building of people like, like, like high, highing and like holding a drink. It was like a sketch outside the building the rest all the way around. And the place was called, and I never connected it. The place was called Crackers, and I always <laughs> thought it was like a club. I always thought it was a club for white folks. I swear. I was like, I never connected it was a comedy club until after I started comedy. I was like,
0: what? That's, that's great. So that's all I have. Uh, I want to thank you for um, great man. Thank for, you for for coming onto this podcast, and I want to invite you to tell the fine folks where to uh, check you out, your work, social media, all of that good stuff. And again, thank you for being on this podcast.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me again. Um, you can find me on Instagram at comedian Ivan Martin in Facebook at Comedian Ivan Martin I check both DMs and instant messengers very frequently unless it has nothing to do with money no I'm joking
0: Dude, <laughs> I think
1: those both really well so if you want to reach out to me say what's up or inquire about any bookings or anything like that please feel free to reach out um, and I do give uh, just like college tuition I do give in-state discounts um, <laughs> so yeah if you want to do something in Maryland just for the fact you're in the state holler at me
0: So there you have it, folks. I want to, again, thank um, Ivan Martin for coming into the podcast. And I am Rob Lee saying that there is art, comedy, community in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.